I would say all of Pope Benedict's teachings, but this one in particularly was amazing to me because I felt that everything he says in here is us. It's our mission, it's our charism, it's our spirituality. And so what I would like to do with Father is ponder our, our Pope's words carefully, step by step, part by part, and show you what the Pope is saying and how our Lord has been forming his little mustard seed of love crucified. Okay? So maybe today, I think, my hope is we can get through poverty, which is still only on the first page. That's how much is here, okay? So it begins by saying God and peace. The Pope says, I wanted to give this day the title Pilgrims of Truth, Pilgrims of Peace, in order to signify the commitment we solemnly wish to renew, together with members of different religions and also with those who are non-believers but who sincerely seek the truth, to the advancement of the true good of humanity and for the building up of peace. As I have already had occasion to recall, he who is on the journey towards God cannot help but transmit peace. Those who build peace cannot help but draw close to God. Okay, uh, let me say something about this. Um, the Holy Father, in, in his philosophy, believes uh, in his uh, philosophical reflections that we have a way to help non-believers. See, he's addressing this also to non-believers. Help them find God. And this is also good for us to know. If there's somebody who was not a believer, I invite them to make a commitment in this life to go deeper and deeper into the search for truth. And, and to be and to resolve to be coherent with with his beliefs. For example, um, if we if a person is a non-believer but but it but, but does believe that you should do unto others as you wish them to do unto you, right? The golden rule. If you are faithful to that, it's going to dramatically transform our way of behaving with other people. And if you seek to be then honest and truth and truthful, not to cheat, not to lie, uh, to respect the dignity of every person, and so on, all those things do not need a direct revelation from God, because God has already built that into us as human beings, because we're the image of God. And even if the image is being tarnished by sin, we still know those things are true. So the Holy Father uh, is saying here, basically, that if you are in a journey uh, towards peace and truth, then you will find God, eventually. He'll lead you to God, eventually. But, so don't try to say, I, I want to have an explanation of how, what God is real. But start living truth. Start being just. Start being righteous. And uh, the other way also, if you, have, if you really believe in God, then you also have to be, from that basis, you have to be in a journey to being peaceful. And so, you know, so both, both ways. So that's what he says. He who is in the journey towards God cannot help but transmit peace. 
Then he continues, and he says, this is so important. As Christians, we are convinced that the most precious contribution we can make to the cause of peace is that of <coughs> prayer. And then he says, the Lord can enlighten our minds and hearts and guide us to be builders of justice and of reconciliation in our everyday lives, and in the world. And I thought, isn't this amazing? Because this is what our Lord has been doing with us. He has enlightened our minds and our hearts through the wisdom of the cross. And when that happens, it begins to change the way we think, the way we relate to one another, I know that many of you here have maybe even at times in your families asked forgiveness for maybe something you didn't even do wrong for the greater good of unity in your families. That's the wisdom of the cross. And then our Lord, he says prayer. I mean, he says, all Christians, we are convinced that the greatest good we can do to bring about peace is prayer. And that had that took me back to the words I've shared many times with you, but I'm going to share them again because I believe that what our Lord taught this community that prayer is has to be sealed in our hearts. Because I would say that so many of you have changed so much just through this one teaching on prayer. So back in 2010, our Lord gave us this understanding of prayer. Our Lord said to us, When I say your life is a prayer, your life is an offering. To offer me your life is the perfect prayer. Your thoughts directed to me, directed to love, is a prayer. Your touch is a most beautiful prayer. Your words of encouragement and love to others is a prayer. Your efforts to bring peace and unity in your families is a prayer. Your smile is a prayer. But your most perfect prayer is your pure suffering united to me and my mother. The prayer of pure suffering is the sweetest fragrance that reaches and delights the heart of our Father. This is also the prayer that produces an abundance of fruit. This is the prayer that is most united to mine as I intercede before the throne of my Father. 
This is why my mother's suffering of solitude produced and continues to produce showers of graces upon the world. I wish the mothers and missionaries of the cross to be perfected in the prayer of suffering. It is through contemplative prayer that you come to know me and the prayer in which I feel, guide, and form you. But it is the prayer of suffering in which you honor, console, and love me and participate in the redemption of souls. The prayer of thanksgiving and praise should be your every breath. So when you, we study that again in light of what Pope Benedict is telling us, you can see the precious contribution we can make to the cause of peace when we give our lives as an offering of prayer, like our Lord has taught us. And um, it's interesting because one of the mothers recently said to me, Lourdes, I wanted so much to go to St. Brendan's and be there for the candlelight ceremony at 6.30 in the morning. But, and I was struggling because I really wanted to go, but I was so tired. And I prayed to our Blessed Mother, Our Lady, you know, I want to go, but I'm in this struggle. And she said to me, in that prayer, Our Lady reminded me, your life is a prayer. So all the times that that mother was getting up in the middle of the night with her little ones, not sleeping well, she was telling this mother of the cross, your life is a prayer. And then I remembered as I was contemplating this, Zilkia, when she was getting her treatment of radiation <coughs> and chemo. And I talked to Zilkia and Zilkia said to me, Lourdes, I'm feeling so sick and tired and I find that I can't pray the rosary. And I said, Zilkia, don't you remember what our Lord taught us? <laughs> you are living the prayer of pure suffering. That is the most pleasing prayer to the Lord. When you feel stronger, you, again you can pray the rosary, but you're living, you're being the prayer of pure suffering. How powerful. And I have to tell you, this Saturday while I was with all the mothers in our monthly meeting, the line that came to me the most from what our Lord taught us about our Blessed Mother and the words she gives, my soul proclaims the greatness of the Lord. At that moment when I was speaking to all of you, what came to me was the last line because I would probably think in my own life the last sentence our Lord gives us on prayer is the one that I think I live the least and have forgotten the most. And that is when our Lord says, the prayer of thanksgiving and praise should be your every breath. And I couldn't help, you know, think that that was the life of our Blessed Mother. That's why our Lord said to us, my, my mother lived in constant awe of the Father, of who the Father is. And so Our Lady lived her every breath 
in thanksgiving. So if we, through the knowledge of the greatness and majesty, the love of God the Father, if we believe that, how much God loves us, that He is controlling our entire life, everything is good from the Father, even the trials and the difficulties, because now we've come to know that the thorns and suffering is the precious pearl, then even in the times of trial, the times of suffering, we should be saying, thank you, thank you, thank you, praise be to you, Jesus, for you are purifying us. You're bringing me into the perfect prayer of suffering with you. Thank you, Abba Father. So I would say, let's focus on the last line now. Back in 2010, <laughs> our Lord gave us this, but look at how it continues. You know, every time I read this, I just, I, and I know for you too, right? Every time you hear these words on prayer, it just fills us, and we can live it each day more and more perfectly. Okay, so that's that section. Now the next section is a section on poverty. And the Holy Father writes, In Bethlehem, the angel announces a great joy which will come to all the people and which is tied to a sign of poverty. A babe, wrapped in swaddling clothes, and lying in a manger. Luke 2, verses 8 through 12. And a multitude of the heavenly host sings, Glory to God in the highest, and on the earth peace among men whom he loves, to men of good will. <coughs> but let us also go to the final moments of Christ's life, when he enters Jerusalem, welcomed by a jubilant crowd, the prophet Zechariah's announcement of the coming of a meek and humble king returned to the minds of Jesus' disciples in a particular way after the events of the passion, death, and resurrection of the Paschal mystery when they reconsidered with the eyes of faith the master's joyous <coughs> entrance into the holy city. He rides upon an ass, which was borrowed. He does not ride in a stately carriage or on a horseback like the great ones. He does not enter Jerusalem accompanied by a powerful army of chariots and charioteers. He is the poor king, the king of God's poor. In the Greek text, the word I don't know how to pronounce that. Praise. Praise appears, which means gentle, meek. Jesus is the king of the Anawim, of those whose hearts are free of the lust for power and material riches, free of the will and the search for dominion over others. Jesus is the king of all those who possess that interior freedom that enables them to overcome the greed and egoism of the world and who know that God 
is their only wealth. Wow. <laughs> this is all um, what the kind of women are. And the Holy Father is telling us that the Anna women are the ones that because of this disposition really have Jesus Christ as their king. So this is the narrow path becoming Anna women. Okay, I'd like to stop here, right, and, and focus now on poverty. And I went, first of all, into our way of life, because I think like many of you, we've read our way of life, but like so many of you, you're quite busy at home or at work or doing so many things, and we don't go back to it enough. So I made a copy of what Father Jordi has put in our way of life under holy poverty. Because part of our way of life of love crucified is holy poverty, the spirit of poverty. And this is so important for our way of life. So I think we really need to maybe tonight focus just on this part of the way of life. In our website, Father Jordi placed under holy poverty. We follow Christ who for us became poor. Christ is the Lord of our lives. Therefore, He is Lord of all that is ours. We are only administrators of what belongs to God. Those who are married consult with their spouses and both seek prayerfully the counsel of the Holy Spirit thinking of Christ and the needs of others. Holy poverty calls for an emptying of self interiorly and exteriorly to dedicate ourselves and our resources to the Lord who is present in our brothers and sisters. Mary and the saints show us true poverty. We learn from them. Then it continues when you go further in what Father has put. It says, Holy poverty is a gift of freedom from material attachments so that the Holy Spirit can do with us as He wills. It calls for examination of conscience on our use of all our resources, including time. It is not a matter of being generous with God by giving Him a portion of our resources so that we can do as we please with our part, it means we belong to God. Holy poverty is not to live in destitution, but it is serious effort to break from the tendency to indulge in material attachments. Then he quotes Father Jordi Pope Benedict XVI, and he says, Lord Jesus this is what the Pope said, Lord Jesus, our affluence is making us less human. Our entertainment has become a drug, a source of alienation. And our society's incessant, tedious message is an invitation to die of selfishness. And then he just quoted now in this document we're studying from the Pope, this teaching 
a little further on, Pope Benedict says, no, this, I'm sorry. Now Father Jordi says this, that's down here a little further. Of all the miracles, this is so beautiful. Of all the miracles performed by our Lord, St. Peter seems to show his greatest amazement at the, miracle, at, at the miraculous catch of fish. It was then that he realized that every aspect of his personal life, even his area of the greatest expertise, fishing, must be totally submitted to the Lord. That was placed there by Father Jordy. And that really got me thinking. And thinking of all of you, and how much each of you have grown in the spirit of poverty. Because the spirit of poverty is not just, like he said, exterior things, you know, material things. But the spirit of poverty even goes interior, which gets harder and harder. Because it's the total abandonment of our will to the Lord. The total abandonment of our plans, even though they sometimes might seem really good. Of our desires, if God decide, decides that he wants, he desires something different from us. And as I was reflecting on holy poverty, Tessie came to my mind. And Tessie, I don't know if all of you know, and I'll embarrass her, but <laughs> Tessie is an architect. And Tessie had a very prestigious job. Tessie even designed, helped design the whole new part of Miami's international airport. Very sought after architect. And Tessie, when she comes into Love Crucified, Tessie had a plan. Tessie has helped her entire family. She's financially supported and brought her entire family from the Philippines. And all of a sudden, God begins to place in her call to leave her career. And she does it. She left everything. And for a while, she became Father Jordy's secretary when he was in St. Timothy. And after that, she even lost that job. <laughs> and now, she's a beautiful example of poverty. <laughs> and she was... And, and as I began to also think of our family, I thought of Father Jordy. And I was thinking of how he's grown in the spirit of poverty and how our Lord was moving in him. And finally, our Lord asks him to break from everything that was his security, being a pastor, to break from the security of being financially provided for. Now, that was not in Father Jordy's plan of life. You know, Father Jordy was aspiring to be a, you know, and he's still a pastor, you know. And then our Lord says, no. And Father responds. I was thinking of Maria and Mark Hickens. Before these 55 acres, we even knew about it. Right after our last retreat, Maria and Mark get a prompting, very strong from the Holy Spirit, to sell their house here, and to move to Georgia. For Maria, when she first feels the prompting of the Spirit, 
she felt repugnance because here in Miami was especially her spiritual family that she's so close to. And she thought, what, by myself? But it was so strong, the movement of the spirit. And Maria, having grown in the detachment and wanting only to serve the Lord, it wasn't part of their plan of life. They say, okay. And they took the leap of faith. Afterwards came the 55 acres Mm -hmm. and this movement to Georgia. But she was called to be the first missionary of this community to get up and go and to lead the way. And they did it. Praise God. (laughs) (laughs) And that's just a few examples. We could go on with all of our lives. Okay? This is growing in the spirit of poverty. And I will tell you, my family, that this virtue is so important for all of us in this family. Because what have we given when we have given our covenant? We have told our Lord, we abandon our will. We abandon ourselves completely to you. I belong totally to you, my Lord Jesus Christ. And so to belong to the family of love crucified is that whatever God desires, as missionaries of the cross, priests and laymen, as mothers of the cross, lay and religious, whatever God wants, we say, yes, my Lord. My plan in life was that I would continue homeschooling. I was homeschooling for 20 years. I helped begin the Homeschooling Association, Catholic group in in Miami. I never thought our Lord would ask ask me to stop homeschooling. It was a shock to me. And yet he did. And that's when I began to place my sons in school. Others would like to stop homeschooling in this community. (laughs) Others would like to take a rest, would like to take a break. But our Lord is telling them, no, you must continue. I want this sacrifice of love. And so you continue because that's what God wants. And therefore, as things develop in our community, we have to have such a detachment from our own plans, from our desires, because God is constantly moving us in this community to die to self. The whole vocation of the missionaries of the cross for Father as a priest and Father Ron is constantly developing. Father never imagined he would be beginning with this community a refuge for wounded priests. And yet now God has asked, this is what I want. So what is Father doing and what are we all doing? Praise be to God, that's what we'll do. How it's going to happen, we don't know. But we say yes and move (laughs) forward. What he's going to ask of the religious when they begin, we are not sure. But I can tell you one thing. If our Lord tells us, change something, change your plan, change your action, in this community, if we are love crucified, we are slaves of the Lord. We say, praise be to God. Yes. Mm -hmm. Whatever you want, we will do. Mm -hmm. 
even if it's different than what I thought I wanted. Okay?
acts of charity that you do not perform are the injustices you commit. So it really is a, it's a call to giving me brothers and sisters, you know, and, and to think of others. And that is very liberating. When Father said, now, poverty flows from love. I have here on my paper words our Lord spoke in January of 2011. Our Lord said, obedience, humility, love, poverty, purity, all flow as the living fruit of intimacy with me, the source of all life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. He who abides in me abides in love and walks the narrow path of the cross that leads to eternal life. So the more we grow in intimacy with our Lord, the more the, 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 the virtues of poverty, love, humility all flow from our hearts. But our Lord, from the beginning, I have, there are so many examples, has been speaking to us, informing us in poverty. And I can't even begin to read to you all of them, but I just gave a few examples and I... This is one from August 2009, and I especially wanted to share this with you because I, as I read it today, I really thought not only of the priest missionaries of the cross, but for the fathers here, I really thought in this community of the lay missionaries of the cross and your mission. So I want to read this to you. It is I, the God of heaven and earth, that is guiding this family, love crucified. Know that I am with you, that I have united you to accomplish a very dear mission of my heart within my church. You are entering the time of the great tribulation. There will be moaning and groaning and grinding of teeth. Like a father leads his family through dangerous perils, my sons are called to lead my church through this time of darkness. My priests must again be strengthened with a heavenly armor, the armor of perfect obedience, poverty, and chastity. This armor will seal them with humility and charity so that Satan cannot penetrate their hearts. You, my missionary of the cross, Father Jordy, are called to go out and shine forth holiness to my sons that have gone astray. It is their holiness that will help protect my flock from being snatched from the wolves. Do not be afraid to speak the desires of my heart. I am sealing you with the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, our Lord here, he's speaking about the priest. But this, as I was reading it, I was thinking so much of the families. It's the exact same thing that's happened in the domestic church. When the fathers are not the spiritual heads, the priests of the home, are not armored with also obedience, poverty, as they're called as laymen, just like we've been speaking holy poverty, the spirit of poverty, and chastity, purity, and they don't lead their families in this way, the children, the family gets dispersed. That's exactly what's happened in the church. 
We don't have fathers that are holy, armored with obedience, poverty, chastity, that brings about humility and chastity, I mean uh, charity, which protects you from the attacks of Satan, and then the darkness enters their hearts. And what happens to the flock? The flock is scattered. The same thing. So a very important mission of the lay missionaries of the cross is to live this holy priesthood, to live obedience, poverty, as they are called as laymen, and chastity, and to help other men grow in this. And so our Lord talks about poverty. I mean, he continues. This is back in tune that he mentions poverty. Is there anything you would like to add, any of the men here, Father? Any questions? No? Can you hear me, Father? Yes. Oh, okay. I was just allowing the love so the others can talk and share. You know, and again, like in everything, the perfect model is Jesus Christ. And that's what the Holy Father is saying. He was born in poverty. The sign of his poverty, as he was laid out in a manger, became the sign for the wise men to find to find them. And yet the ones who are the richest, who are the angels, glorified them and recognized them in his poverty. And then at the end, again, when he is to come into Jerusalem, he purposely enters as the humble men do, with a, um, riding an ass, not a horse or a chariot. And finally, the greatest poverty of it all is dying on the cross, hanging there, really dispossessed of everything. So, to say that we are disciples of Christ is an amazing statement. Are we ready to battle love for Christ? Are we going to have to say, Lord, I, I know I can my own, but give me the grace every day because love will triumph. Um, one, another thing our Lord has spoken about very much concerning priests but this has to do with all of us and um, also very much the lay missionaries of the crosses our Lord has mentioned many times a life of mortification and penance and you know in the gospel our Lord says if you wish to follow me you must deny yourself before you can even pick up you know, your cross you must deny yourself as I was, you know, putting all of this together for you, I was seeing how important it is for us to truly grow in the virtue of the spirit of poverty is a life of mortification and penance. And um, I think of two or three cynicals ago, Penny sent a, a text message to us. And this is what Penny sent to us. She said, Get it from the beginning. 
Okay. Penny wrote, Mi Padre, our Lord is wanting me to contemplate. Do we admonish the sinner within us, or do we allow it, our sinful self, to rule over us? I wish he would give me the time to write on these inspirations. Then she writes, We must pray and mortify ourselves. We cannot do one without the other. We cannot raise our hearts and minds to God without, at the same time, striving to crush the sinner within us. Without mortification, our prayer is worthless. He teaches us, If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. And yet, who preaches and teaches souls about the necessity of mortification and prayer? By prayer and mortification, we reach the heart of the Father. Thank you, Penny. And our Lord has said many times that we especially fall in the sin of sloth and gluttony in those if we do not deny ourselves, if we do not mortify. And I feel especially the men, the missionaries of the cross, if you guys are going to be the kind of men, holy men, courageous men, warriors, that God is calling you to, to grow in these virtues, you must grow in the virtue of mortification. Mortification of too much TV, mortification of, you know, movies that are, you know, and this, I think, is maybe more difficult for men than it is for women. And our Lord has said to us many times that if priests do not live a life of mortification and penance, they will just fall into the sin, especially of sloth, which makes them lazy and um, lukewarm. And you know what our Lord says about being lukewarm? He'll spit you out. I mean, it's a horrible thing for our Lord to be lukewarm. And then our Lord led me to words of our Lord to Conchita. And I think this will be the last thing I share with you tonight. On page 148, you can read it in Conchita's diary. Listen to what our Lord teaches Conchita about penance. This is so powerful. It says, The struggle against sin is at the heart of the teachings of the cross as well as those of the gospel. The Lord reminded Conchita of this very strongly. Okay, these are our Lord's words to Conchita. Penance is a great virtue, and the spirit of repentance is a gratuitous gift which God grants to whom he pleases. I was so amazed when I read this the other day. Look at what our Lord says. The virtue of the spirit of repentance is a gift that God gives us. How many times has our Lord told this family, come to my feet, kiss my feet at the foot of the cross, and receive, what does he say? Receive the gift of the gold of precious repentance. And here I see it in Conchita's writings. This is so powerful. Its influence is universal, not only for liberating man from sin, but for helping him practice all the virtues. Then our Lord continues. He says, 
I have given it to you from your most tender childhood. Penance is the rampart protecting chastity. Penitence appeases God's justice and transforms it into graces. It purifies souls, extinguishes the fires of purgatory, and receives in heaven a most sublime recompense. Penance pays for personal faults and those of others. Penance is the sister of mortification. Both work together hand in hand. Penance helps the soul rise above things of the earth. Penance cooperates with the redemption of the world. Penance cooperates with the redemption of the world. Penance humbles man. It penetrates him with an inner feeling of the base of the baseness and his wretchedness. Penance brings light to the soul. It consumes and causes to disappear all in it that is purely material. It raises him higher and higher above the earth, making him taste of delights unknown and pure. But this penance should be the daughter of reverence and exist in the soul hidden from all humans. Conchita's Diary. And as we look here at Rosa Mística, she's in front of us on our altar. We're constantly reminded of the three roses, the white, the red, and the gold. Prayer, sacrifice, mortification, and penance. So, so all of that just we got through poverty. So next week we continue. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Wonderful. Father, show us a little bit where you are. Pardon? Show us where you are. Well, it's, I'm, I'm in the basement of the house. <laughs> 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 this, is, this is hopefully to be the future living library right here. So, there he is. So it's a basement, and it's a large basement, and uh, hopefully we'll put all the books here to study, and this will be with the radio programs and the, uh, yeah, the radio programs, and also the website, everything's done. It's yeah. in my office now. Praise God. Also, I, I want to say, I, bye, Silvia. <laughs>
likewise with the spirit of penance and mortification is is a threshold to go into freedom, into a greater joy, to a greater participation of the life of God. So we look forward for what is coming, and then it will be easy to give up what is behind. It's like putting your hands on the plow and not looking back. Because what is coming is much fuller and beautiful and meaningful. It's the treasures of the heart of Christ. And see how all the teachings go together. This goes together also with the teaching of the pearl of great price. That for which you are willing to sell everything. You know, selling is becoming poor. But because you are acquiring this wonderful treasure. So what a precious pearl the Lord has given us. And what a joy to be brothers and sisters and to uphold each other um, every day in our prayer in the uh, precious blood, in the Mass. It is a, such a great joy. When when I was living in uh, Washington and, and Grace uh, told me I will be remembering especially in the consecration of the precious blood, uh, it was such a joy you know, to, to hear this, uh, that we are really so much one because of the gift of, of our faith understood more and more. So hopefully pretty soon you'll have uh, two homes.